Good evening, everyone, and to those watching uh, us, and uh, to the few that are outside. My friends, uh, with this evening Mass of the Lord's Supper, uh, we end our Lenten season, and we begin now with the Easter Triduum, a very solemn time for us. My friends, our first reading, the account from the Old Testament, uh, has uh, God speaking to Moses and Aaron and telling them to do something. And uh, all the people were in the midst of, you know, they were in slavery of all types, not just in body, but in mind also. And um, they're told to do something. And uh, I couldn't help but reflect on this because uh, if you know that reading, what happens before is a bunch of plagues have come that forces the hand uh, of the Egyptian ruler. And they are told, do this. Also, what it, Jesus, you know, our God said, do this, and uh, this last and final plague uh, will not destroy you. Our second reading, St. Paul of all people, when I say that um, with great love in my heart, recounts the Eucharist for us, telling us what he knew Christ to have said for us. And in our gospel, we see a wondrous love, the same wondrous love that actually uh, we can pick up in the first reading from the Old Testament with God doing for his people, what St. Paul was talking about, and then finally what Jesus lived while he walked on this earth. This evening, we recount and relive, as it were, Jesus' Last Supper. My friends, um, the missal that you see me instructs the priest or deacon, the homilist, on what to, how to formulate his homily. It's rare to see that in the book, but it tells us what we should. And, uh, and I followed that. Um, but as you know, experiences happen, and today um, at 4 p.m., the secretary called me and said, you are needed at the hospital. And the first thing I thought of was, come on, Lord, I got things to do. And the secretary texted again some more information. And, and off I went to St. Anthony's. And then I got cranky again because I'm like, oh, and they got the street all blocked. Now I got to go find some other way to go, too. And I thought, oh, you have a horrible spirit about you, Father Mark. <laughs> so I'm driving, and, and I get there, and uh, you have to go through all the hospital stuff, too. And it's all necessary, you know, to get in there. And uh, I go up to the floor, and the, I go to the nurse's station, and she said, thank goodness you're here. It was like a strike across my chest. And to go in, I'm reminded. Because in my heart, I was like, come on, Lord, I, it's so busy. I got so much to do. And But in my heart, I could feel, do what is prescribed. Go to my servant. Go to her. And so I did. And anointed her head and her hands, and said all the formulas that I have memorized for her. And I bid farewell to her, 
and to her family that was waiting. And it made me, I come back and rewrote the homily <laughs> based on my experience. Uh, I have redacted some things. I can do on my own in my house, uh, to my mea copas. But as it is, we recount uh, Jesus' Last Supper and what he needed to do. And we enter into the upper room with the apostles to take part in the meal that Jesus prepared with great love. I'm sure he didn't sass his father the way I was sassing Jesus this afternoon about the hospital. And as we do so, we prepare to receive the last gifts from the one who loved so much. We prepare to listen to his last instructions in the same way that the people of the Old Testament had to have listened to God's instructions through Moses and Aaron. And in doing so, we contemplate his final gestures to fill our eyes and our hearts with his presence. The Gospel of John presents Jesus in service with the preparation of a meal and the performing of a service that in Jesus' time was it was for a slave to do. Slaves wash feet in Jesus' time. In the first letter to the Corinthians, St. Paul recounts the institution of the Eucharist. Therefore, just as Jesus wanted, we repeat his gestures and his words at Mass. This is my body. This is the chalice of my blood. And we are nourished by him continually out of love. Holy Thursday celebrates with joy then the institution of the Holy Eucharist and the sacrament of holy orders, the priesthood. The church rejoices that the commands of Jesus are still being fulfilled in our midst and has not ceased to happen since his time. Even in the midst of our world pandemic, in our epoch, in our time, it did not stop. People grumbled about different things, that mean, but Mass continued to be celebrated. The sacrament of anointing continued to be given to those who were passing from this world. The sacrament of reconciliation was still offered to those who came to have that healing grace. Though unfaithful in many ways, we are yet privileged to stand in a long tradition of fidelity then to our Lord's commands. Take and eat, drink, do this in memory of me. What should be a primary concern, our response to Jesus' desire from what Paul has told us? My friends, a natural inclination is to worry about ourselves first. That is what your pastor did at 4 o'clock this afternoon when I was being summoned to the hospital. To be concerned with the self first. And about 
uh, what to offer to the Lord. And about the future need. For me, the immediate thing was the homily for today. Well, if I had prepared properly, I would have had it done days ago. <laughs> so says the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but the Lord wants us to be concerned with one thing only. To receive his love. For the glory of God the Father. For the good of others. And for our own peace. Today, Jesus shows us his generous love pushed to the limits by our standards. John tells us, before the feast of Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to pass from this world to the Father. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. Jesus made himself a servant for the sake of love. He gives his life, pours out his blood, and takes upon himself, look behind me at the cross, he takes upon himself all the sin, all the hatred, and all the suffering of humanity. Out of his extreme love for us, he did this. Out of extreme love, he wants to make himself our nourishment until he returns. Only extreme love can make this possible. It should be simple for us to completely accept so great a love. But often we are more deserving of God's reprimands how long, people, will you be hard of heart? Why do you desire what is worthless and chase after delusions? Psalm 4. So often do we pursue after frivolous and passing things without realizing the immense joy and peace offered by our Lord, always. Oddly, even those who love the Lord in a generous way, and I would like to think of myself as someone like that, find it challenging to accept his love. They think that it is more important for them to offer their good works than to receive his love first. Because how this would make life so fruitful and so joyful, we understood that first. I bring this up because for me, Peter demonstrates this particular attitude. He loved Jesus. He cannot grasp that Jesus wishes to serve his disciples as a servant. And when he approaches to wash Peter's feet, Peter says, Master, are you going to wash my feet? And Peter tells him, never. I will not allow it. In this, Peter does not receive Jesus' love as symbolized in the washing of his feet. 
He thinks the most important thing is the love that he has for Jesus. To give something to Jesus first. Even to offer his life, as the gospel says. But Peter is mistaken. Peter presumes that he loves first. So he says, I will lay down my life for you, Lord. But Jesus foretells what the result of that love will be. A crow before you deny me three times. John 13, 37. Peter does not understand that he must receive the Lord's love first. Peter must have his grace, his strength. And only afterwards, only after, will he be able to follow Jesus and to love him according to the way Peter said, I will lay down my life. It will be only after he realizes the great love, after the grace, that he will be able to do this. In fact, Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, though you will follow later, John 13, 36. This evening, let us ask the Lord for the grace to know how to accept the love he has for us and to understand that we must direct our attention first to accepting his love to him and not to ourselves, as Peter did. In my head, this is working out. You might have to go back and reflect on it to see where Peter is doing this. It's all about him <laughs> in that moment. It is our Lord's love that purifies us. It is our Lord's love that pardons us. It is our Lord's love that sanctifies us. We must first allow the Lord to fill our hearts with his love because we cannot save ourselves and we cannot sanctify ourselves. If each of us would only taste and see how good the Lord is, we would be utterly transformed on the inside with relative ease. And then our view of others would be utterly transformed also. Such fraternal charity can only come from a heart that has tasted the love of God. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also must love one another. John 4, 11. My friends, we are commanded, if you will. What I just did was to give you an example, Jesus says, as I have done, so you must do. Our liturgy tonight on Holy Thursday calls us to renew our commitment to this great law of love. The new commandment of Jesus to love as he has loved. Recognize that God has loved you very much and has loved you first. Then you will be able to love one another after the pattern and likeness of our master.
then, then would our Lord's dream come to pass as recorded in John's gospel, John 17. Father, that they would be one as you and I are one. Then would heaven come to earth. Take and eat. Take and drink. Do this in remembrance of me. And as I have done for you, so you ought to do for others. Maybe it would be better understood as as the Father has loved you first. You go and love others first. Love them first. Love them first. When we receive his grace in Eucharist, we connect with him to be more like him. And when we love others, we are in communion then with each other. And in John's gospel, Jesus also says something about this. Father, as you and I are one, as I am in you and you are in I, so that we may be in them. That we may be one. Like it was in the beginning. Like it was in the beginning. Amen? My friends, on this evening, I remember in my heart my friend, Deacon Dale. I'm so happy for him. But our hearts are sad. Hey, Peggy? Hmm. But I remember him this evening and tomorrow and Sunday and all the Easter seasons, I will remember him in my heart at Mass and pray for your continued consolation, Peggy. My brothers and sisters, um, let God's love transform you. That's what it's supposed to do. Change you from within. And then what is within begins to change and transform everything that is outside of it. That's how it's supposed to work, not the other way around. The world's not going to change us. We change, and therefore we change the world. Uh, Jesus came, and he changed the world for all time. One man. Just think what how all these disciples, what they can do. But you have to know you're loved first in order to do this.
That way you become sanctified and the world then becomes sanctified as you embrace it and touch it and influence it. Amen.